feel like the biggest thing that I've learned um, over the last year is to accept and enjoy a relationship for what it is and not what you want it to be. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Well, welcome to episode 218. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a wonderful interview with Whitney. Whitney and her partner have been married for 14 years. They were high school sweethearts and both grew up very in a very religious background. Uh, however, now they've been exploring poly for about the last two to three years. And however, they've had non-monogamous tendencies throughout their relationship. And we have a, just a wonderful conversation with her. Yeah, it's a great conversation about a lot of different things, uh, rules and boundaries, and honestly, some some trauma that they went through when her uh, then-boyfriend, now-husband, was basically just sort of ripped away and sent off to sex rehab, like yeah. out of the blue, just disappeared one day. And so she talks a bit about that and the trauma around that. And uh, Whitney's also finishing up her psychology degree, and as she'll talk about at the end of the episode for a minute, uh, she's about to launch a coaching business. So take a look uh, in the show notes at normalizingnonmonogamy.com for more information about that and other work that Whitney is doing, and uh, as well as information about all of our previous guests. So you can find that, again, at normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the podcast tab. Before we jump into the show, we do have a couple of quick announcements. First up, a huge thank you to our incredible Patreon community. We're excited for another year exploring with this community and supporting this community and getting support from this community. It's been such an adventure over the last couple of years, and we've met so many incredible people through that community. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're looking for community, we do highly recommend you to check out <laughs> our, our Patreon. Um, you can go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the Patreon button there. Uh, we have ongoing MeWe chats, we have a monthly Q&As, and we have monthly men's and women's groups chats as well. Yeah, I just want to echo what Emma said, that this group has been hugely influential and beneficial for us throughout the last few years that we've been doing it. And just a huge thank you to everybody who makes up the community of almost... Uh, 200 members now. So we're super excited for that. And thank you all. Uh, building on that, we have some other virtual events that are not part of the Patreon. We have a couple of meet and greets coming up this week. First up, we have a play party on the 14th this Friday. Yes. So just a couple of days away. That is not a sexual event different type of play. Yes. We've hired a uh, strategic play consultant to come in and basically set up some awesome like games and interactive ways for us to meet and interact with each other. And we're super excited about that. So that's Friday evening. January 14th. January 14th. And then the next day on January 15th in the evening uh, at night, we've got one of our normal virtual meet and greets that we've been doing twice a month. And then we have our second one on the 26th of January. So we're doing one during the week and one on the weekend um, sort of moving forward through this year. Yes. We're super excited those about those and there will be more virtual meet and greets in February as well. To sign up for those, head over to our website, normalizingonmonogamy.com, click on the community events tab and you'll see a tab there for virtual events. And all of the information for all of them can be found under there. Yes. We also have some upcoming in-person events. Right now, we have a meet and greet in New Orleans scheduled for February 7th and a pool party scheduled for February 12th. Both of those events are available to sign up for on our website. Again, like Finn said, go to the community events tab. Um, we are monitoring COVID and Omicron and everything going on right now. Uh, so if we need to, to reschedule those events, we will. Um, we're just monitoring that. At the moment, we are not adding any other in-person events for the month of February. Yeah, and just a quick note on those. Again, we don't necessarily need to go into all of this here, but uh, the, the two events in New Orleans are both 
inside outside events they're sort of hybrid spaces and we're checking covid cards at the door vaccination cards at the door to make sure everybody's at least double vaccinated so uh, again we're sort of monitoring covid on this and if we need to cancel these we will obviously we don't want to but uh, the health and safety of everybody is mm, the most important piece here so uh, just stay tuned for that and um, stay tuned for additional events that will be coming probably in march and beyond further west where we know we can be outside and uh, uh, be a little more COVID safe. So uh, there is one event that we do have on the calendar at the end of March. It is a pole dance uh, class and sort of social hour with uh, Amy from episode 188. She owns a series of pole dance studios and she's letting us use her studio. She's teaching a class and then we're going to have sort of drinks and snacks afterwards. So we're that, super excited about that as well. Yeah, that event is on March 26th and that it also has limited number of participants. So if you're interested in signing up, we encourage you to go sign up now. Again, on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community events tab. The last quick announcement Emma and I are super excited about is that we are part of uh, the Alternative Relationship Summit that is hosted by Sarah from last week's episode. If you listen to episode 217, uh, she talks a little bit about this and we talk a little bit about this, but she's gathered over 30 awesome speakers, uh, including Emma and myself, and we did our first ever video interview, and uh, that will be coming out this week on January 13th and 14th. It is a free summit if you are uh, join for the the days it is happening and if you want to watch it afterwards uh there's a nominal fee that you can sign up and have access to the content uh beyond the 13th and the 14th so if you want to find out information about that there are links in the show notes to sign up that lets sarah know that we sent you and we do get a little bit of affiliate income from that if you do sign up and pay for it so thank you in advance for that uh for supporting our show and for supporting the awesome work that Sarah is doing. We're super excited about it. And uh, we had a great conversation with her and we're really excited to get it out there. Yes. A quick reminder too, while you're on our website to contact us, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to come on the show, if you just have any feedback for us, it's all, you can contact us, send us a voicemail, send us an email right there on our website. So with that, thank you for sticking with us with this intro and we'll go talk to Whitney. Welcome. Welcome to the show, uh, Whitney. We're excited to have you here. We're excited to learn more about you. We're excited to hear your story. We're excited to get it out there. We'd be excited if the sun would come out, but you know what? We can't win win them all. You know, you can't complain. It was out yesterday. Well, I think (laughs) I should be able to. It's out there. All right. We're on our way. So, well, thank you for being here. Welcome. And hello. Hello. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Do you mind introducing us to you and everybody else who is listening as well? Sure. So my name is Whitney. I am 33. I am a wife and a mother. I've got three kids. Um, I've been married to my nesting partner for almost 14 years. And I'm polyamorous. He is monogamish. And... And he knows you're here? Yeah, he does. We <laughs> yes. figured since you were sitting next to him a minute ago, but we thought we'd let everybody else know yeah. that he knows that you're yeah, here. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I, I thought about asking him to come on, but then I was like, then there's nobody to watch the baby. So <laughs> I thought those babies just watched themselves. I guess that's why we don't have one. <laughs> um, well, we're happy you're here. Thank you. And do you mind taking us back to... When when did non-monogamy, when did polyamory come into your life and, and how? So polyamory itself probably didn't enter my life until about two or three years ago. But before then, um, I kind of had non-monogamous tendencies, I guess, in life. Just And like the more that I just sit and think about it, I just like through my whole dating life, was kind of more on the non-monogamous side. Um, I mean, I grew up in a very religious household. So anything about um, sex or anything outside of the norm of monogamy was uh, shameful, I guess. Um, I, I'm, I live in Utah, so my family is all LDS or Mormons. So um, it's really hard to talk about 
polyamory without them instantly thinking it's polygamy. And since those are completely different things, it kind of blurs the lines. But so that's been a stumbling block. But um, yeah, and I uh, met my husband in, we started dating in high school. So we've been together for a long time. But while we were dating, um, I did see other people occasionally, just like, you know, my best friend asked me out to prom. Of course I would go to prom. I'm not going to say no just because I'm dating somebody. And I didn't even think to ask him and he didn't even think that it was an issue. And when he, you know, was out of town or something, one of my girlfriends and I would fool around a little bit and he didn't care about that either. And so it kind of polyamory has always kind of been part of our relationship, even though we didn't have the language for it. And then a couple years ago, uh, after we got married, um, we decided to try and swing. And so we tried that for a little while. Um, but I found that swinging was really hard for me because I get very emotionally invested in people and only being able to have the sexual aspect was really hard for like my mental health almost. And so I told him, I was like, you know, I, I can't, I can't do this. I can't swing. And so we stopped and kind of, you know, closed up our marriage, I guess, for a little while. And one of my friends had introduced me to the website FetLife where I, um, learned the word polyamory on there. And of course I'm, I like to research things. So anything that piques my interest, I research it to death. And so as soon as I saw the word polyamory, I was researching and reading all the books, listening to all the podcasts, you know, every bit of information I could find, I was, I was there. <laughs> Right, and then right. eventually I went back to my husband and I was like, look at all these things. And he was like, that is a lot of things. <laughs> but <laughs> And I was like, I think this is what I need. And he's like, okay, go, go do that. <laughs> and so I started dating a little bit and um, he's dated on and off, like, but it's more like a date here or there, but he's just not really into dating other people right now. So he's not. And, uh, uh, right after COVID started, I kind of hit polyamory a little bit harder, I guess. And because I was home a lot, I was chatting a lot more and I met a couple people there and we formed our own little polycule for a little while. But then, uh, late last year it kind of imploded. And so now I'm back to square one again, which is fine. <laughs> But, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if you ever go back to square one. You might go back to one-on-one uh, -on -one partnership, but I don't. I don't think yeah. you ever go back to not having the. I mean, the experience you get through those, right? The oh, learning sure. experience is just incredible, yeah. right? And so, yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. Well, well and like, I've learned so many skills. I guess you could say, like, you know, about about boundaries and looking for red flags and listening to your other partners, and so it's been a good learning experience over the last few years, but, you know, polyamory has kind of always been part of my relationships, but it hasn't really been an active part until the last like three years. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I know we're going to come back to all of the things you learned, but I yes. wanted, I had a question about the early days. Um, okay. Emma doesn't mind. No, go ahead. I was going to talk about the early, ask about the early days too. So I bet it's the same question. Probably was in the, in the early days, it sounds like it was fooling around with girlfriends. Was that mm -hmm. like, was the sort of the agreement that you and your, your now husband, then boyfriend had like around, like you want to explore your sexuality and that's sort of the, the framework to do it in. Or was it like you want to explore non-monogamy and like those were convenient uh, avenues for, it? or was it some, maybe some other version of that? It was more, like, I'm a stupid teenager and I have all these hormones and I don't know what to do with them. And my friend is cute. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of a thing. Like, it wasn't, 
necessarily like we didn't expect any sort of relationship. It was just, you know, we were hanging out together and decided to have some fun, but it wasn't ever like with the intention of, you know, polyamory or, um, cause I don't think that I really, I know that I didn't like believe that I was bisexual until I was in my twenties and, you know, I had been with women, but like in my brain, somehow I had been like, Oh, that was just, you know, something that people do. I didn't realize that that was, you know, like something inside of me telling me that I was also attracted to women. And what right. was the shift? Um, I went through like a faith crisis because um, we were living with my parents who are very religious and my husband and I are not. And even though we grew up that way, so we know kind of how they, how their brain works, I guess. Um, so it was a lot of fighting against that. You can't do this. You can't feel this. You can't experience this and trying to, um, do what works and fits and felt right to me. And so it was kind of like, you know, long conversations, just bawling to my husband about being, you know, something that I wasn't supposed to be. And he's like, it's totally fine. If you like girls, nobody's going to care, you know, like if you like, cool. (laughs) Right. But letting go of that stigma. Yeah. 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 It's hard. And so how did, well, I guess it sounds like back in those early days in, in high school, there weren't really conversations between you and your husband around or your boyfriend at the time around other relationships or anything like that. It was just, or other, no. it just kind of was assumed that this was okay. And this, it yeah. worked for it. What you, you found what kind of worked for both of you. Um, yeah. And then what I'm curious, like what was the decision to try to go down the swinging route? Um, so my husband, like our, our relationship is very, it was, a, it was really rough at the very beginning because we grew up in, you know, with our parents and I know they did the best that they could, but his parents in particular, um, when they found out that we were having premarital sex, they had a conniption and they actually put him in rehab. So he was in rehab for two years because he had premarital sex with me. And so, um, I, we had kind of have some relationship trauma around that because he just like was gone all of a sudden. They didn't tell me where he went or anything. It was just, he disappeared off the face of the earth for two years. And, um, I was just told to move on. And so I, I tried, but you know, it didn't, it didn't really go that well. (laughs) Um, So they just, they just basically snatched him up and sent him away and you didn't know anything. You never even like got to say goodbye. No. Holy oh my fuck. God. That's, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. So you know how like last year, all that Paris Hilton stuff came out. I don't, I about don't. her and her, her rehab stuff. It's similar to that. Cause like here in Utah, they have a lot of rehab centers for teens and most of them are for drugs and stuff like that. But he was sent to the drug rehab for sexual reasons. And, yeah. So he yeah. was actually on a podcast for that too. It was yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Insane. I bet because like the trauma around that, like yeah. you're being sent to rehab to a drug rehab place for sexual, like, but they did, he didn't, Oh gosh, I'm not going to get into this. <laughs> well, I just want to point out the irony that the end result of his sex rehab was becoming a swinger. So I, I, know, I right? love that. I hope, I hope he puts that in the review. <laughs> The am uh, the Google review for this place, so I love that. Yeah. Oh Jesus! So how did I mean? So that's a big transition coming out of sex, quote unquote, sex rehab, whatever the fuck uh-huh. that means, and going to <laughs> now you're like thinking about swinging, like premarital sex rehab. That's yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Premarital sex rehab. That makes that makes it better. <laughs> yeah. So um, it was just like. I had decided that, or not decided, but I had come out as bisexual to my husband and my best friend. And he's like, well, do you want to explore? And I was like, well, maybe. And so he's like, well, let's try some swinging. And so we swing, we tried swinging with, um, some of my friends and 
it was just like out of convenience that we were with them and I was neither of us were attracted to them and so it kind of fizzled really quick and so then we tried dating on our own and it um but it was dating just to have sex like it wasn't like dating dating it was just you know to hook up and it just didn't work for me and he didn't really want to put in the effort to find someone and so yeah so that's kind of how we got into swinging and I met some really nice people and went on you know some fun little adventures but uh nothing that yeah when it came down to like okay we're actually doing the sex part I would have a breakdown because I'm like I have no connection to this person and I just felt like I was being used for my body even though I was there um on purpose like I was there by my own you know will and it's just yeah it still didn't it still wasn't in accordance with what you felt like you yeah Yeah. I, I get that I get that and do you think that by trying to do that, trying to try swinging, was that a way to work past some of the trauma too, the between the two of you around, around your sexual relationship? Um, I think part of it was to try and like get the spark back because, you know, after a while you need to shake things up a little bit and, um, we hadn't joined like the kink community at all back then. And you know, where most people start, we started with swinging instead. Right. But, mm-hmm. right. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you said then you went and you dove into podcast books, all of the resources you could find and then, mm-hmm. and then laid them all at your husband's feet. And it was probably overwhelming as hell for him. Yeah. <laughs> when and you said, like, I told him like what I thought I needed, like what, what did you lay out there for him? And like, then what did you guys do about that? Like, how did you take actual steps to make it happen? I told him, I was like, okay, what I think I need is a boyfriend. I was like, I think I need a significant partner. And I said, I'm not trying to replace you. I'm not trying to, um, you know, get rid of you or, you know, have a dual life by any means, but I feel like I need, cause I know that I'm a lot emotionally. I've been told several times that I, not several times, but I've been told that I can kind of be a lot emotionally just cause I feel everything. And sometimes I want to unload that on someone. And sometimes that person that I need to unload about is my husband. <laughs> and it's not really nice to unload at him about him. Um, so, and like I had girlfriends, but it's just not the same to, you know, have someone to care for you and talk to, um, in the same way. So I told him, I was like, I think, I think I need to find an additional relationship. And he's like, so what does that mean? And so I told him, I was like, this is what polyamory is. This is kind of the style that I think that I would want. And, you know, I kind of gave him a rundown of the other like styles and like, you know, cause he, he would prefer more of like a hierarchical type of polyamory, but that doesn't really sit well with me personally. I prefer more kitchen table poly, but at the same time, like we do have a family and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not looking to change anything. I just want to add someone else. And he was like, all right, well, if that's what you really think that you are wanting, let's try it out. And he's kind of always been a, you know, we don't know until we know kind of a person. So he's like, let's try it out. So I downloaded all of the dating apps that I could think of and (sighs) dug through lots and lots of dick pics (laughs) And then I quickly put all that away for a while because I got overwhelmed. Um, but, yeah, kind of comes and goes. Sometimes like, all right, we're going to do this. And then you get on all the apps and then you're flooded with all the things and you're like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> Wait, so, this is too much work. <laughs> well, so I was going to ask, did you did you make your selections based on the dick pics or is that like the immediate like disqualification? Uh, uh, it depends. Did I see their face first? 
So the bar you know. is low. So the bar is low. <laughs> <laughs> no. Usually, I, I can usually tell, like, if I can hold a conversation with somebody, I know that it's going to be better than if it's just like, hey, want to bang? And you're just like, mm, I'm good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all about the conversation, the connection there. Yeah. yeah. And so how did it, you said you, we were able to foster some type of small polycule and yeah. sort of right around the beginning of COVID. What did that, what did that look like? So, um, I joined a kick group, just like a chat group. And I found one that was local and I just, was chatting with people and they were setting up a, uh, a munch. And so I decided to go to the munch and it was, I thought this is what <laughs> I thought I was walking into just, you know, a barbecue, but then everybody started taking their clothes off and I was like, this is not my place. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Just because I had never met any of these people before, um, I had gone there to to meet a specific couple people that were in the group, and I did meet them. And uh, I just didn't stay at the party for very long, just because it I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I was. I was there to meet people, and I, uh, they did not make it clear in their invitation that it was a kink party, and. It was still fun though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little, a little overwhelming to, yeah. to walk into, and Think you're going you know, to especially, a, yeah. especially since I went by myself. Like, I was like, you know, I uh, maybe I should have brought my husband with me, but he was like, I don't know any of these people, and so I'm like, okay, well, here's the address. If I get murdered, you'll find my body here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they usually keep the body at the scene of the crime. Yeah, so yeah. that's a good strategy. <laughs> Um, but so you, you get overwhelmed at the barbecue, you leave, but were you able to carry those connections on? Yeah. So one of the girls that was there, her and I became really good friends and we were talking a lot and she was actually dating a guy that I was interested in, in that group. And he and I started talking and he and I met at the barbecue and I had actually gone to the barbecue to meet him. But when I got there, he was stoned out of his mind. And so he ignored me the whole night. So I thought he wasn't interested. Um, So then I kind of went home and I was like, well, I tried and I failed. But then he messaged me the next day. He's like, I am so sorry. I was, you know, stoned out of my mind. And you walked in and I I was just overwhelmed and so it's like, well, do you want to try again? And he's like, yeah, let's try again. So we went on like a one-on-one date. We had a great time. And after a while, he and I started dating. So then he and I are dating and he's dating my friend and she's dating this other girl and she's got a husband. And so we had like our own little polycule and we would meet, like we would all get together and have, um, parties like once a month. And it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. And I started dating. Um, I started, I met this other guy on a a Facebook poly group and he and I started talking and then he and I went to go and have our first date, but then his wife turned it into a game night. So then it was, she's like, just bring your husband and we'll have a game night. So then it was the four of us. at a party at their house. And we had a lot of fun too. And then I started dating the couple. My husband dated the wife for a little while, but they didn't really click. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I, I was dating, uh, the couple, but then things didn't really work out with the husband. And so then I was just dating the wife, but then the wife decided she wanted to date my boyfriend from the other polycule and things were rocky in the polycule already. And it ultimately ended with me leaving everybody. So. Yeah. Those are very tricky. Dy- the, right? The, the <laughs> dynamics at play there are wild, right? Yeah. So, yeah. How did, your, how did your husband, like, I don't want to say fair, but, like, how did it go with the two of you, like, as you're building this polycule? And he's sort of 
maybe on the fringes of it, like kind of watching it, but not really part of it? Like, how did that go? Well, he was always invited to come and, you know, hang out, but he was like, I'm not, I don't really want to go. I don't really want to, he's, he wasn't really interested in going. Um, like he met all of them individually, like they would come and he'd hang out with them one-on-one. But he, there was often times where he felt like I was spreading myself too thin, which is true. Um, and he's like, cause you're gone all the time. And, um, right as COVID hit, he got sick. And so now he is disabled, so he can't work. So I had, I went from being a stay at home mom to now I'm working full time. So then I was working full time. I'm also in school. I'm trying to finish my psychology degree. So I'm going to school part time. And then I also had three partners plus my husband and all of our kids. And so I was just, you know, I had a lot of a lot of things to juggle. <laughs> you were, were maxed. Yeah, you were maxed out. <laughs> yeah, and he. There were da- times when he felt like he was falling through the cracks. Which, which to be fair, he is there. He was, um, and since things have fallen apart with some of the other people, I've dialed back and I've you know. But anyways, so yeah, he he had he did feel like he was falling through the cracks a little bit. Um, but we do go to marriage counseling and I, I'm a very pro therapy. And so he, uh, we go to marriage counseling to talk about those kinds of things, especially when, uh, cause like when I'm dating someone else, um, sometimes things with he and I can kind of find their own little hiccups if, you know, he feels like I'm spending too much time with someone else or not enough time with someone else. Or if I'm doing things with them that I don't do with him or I don't know, whatever. Yeah. yeah, There's a lot there. Right. Right. And how, how have you to, well, it sounds like you dialed back your relationships, but in general, how have you found that balance of, of where he doesn't feel like he's falling through the cracks and, and prioritizing that relationship. Cause that's, that's something that's really common. And especially when people right. dive into polyamory. Right. Um, I think the biggest thing is a Google calendar, which I know everybody says that. And I was very anti Google calendar for a while, but that's actually been the thing that's helped the most is cause then I can color code everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can make sure that he and I have a date night every week and I can make sure that I'm making dinner and having sitting down to have dinner with the, him and the kids at least once or twice a week as well. Cause I work nights most of the time. So I try to sit down and have dinner with them. Um, and then we also do a family movie brunch every Sunday so that everybody feels like they're getting enough time with, you know, their parents and their partners and, Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that's tricky. And and what do you think, like having sort of maybe, and I think this is super common, right? You like go all out and then you're like, whoa, 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 way too much. And then you pull it back. Where do you think like maybe moving forward that that sort of equilibrium, like the, the sweet ha- spot? yeah, the sweet spot would be. I feel like for me, at least I need um, my existing relationship to be solid before I move and add another one. Um, because I know that like my relationship with my husband is very strong and we're, we're good. Um, but that additional relationship I had with my boyfriend, it, it wasn't, it was not very strong. And because my ex-girlfriend was very, um, thirsty I guess is the best way (laughs) she wanted all of the sex. And so she was pushing for a threesome between my boyfriend, her and I, and I wasn't in a place with my boyfriend where I felt that he and I were stable enough to do that. And she's like, come on, it will be fine. And so after a few months of her kind of like, come on, let's just do it. I was like, fine, we'll just do it. And it did not go the way that, cause I had, I had tried to set some boundaries for myself. Like, okay, these are the things that I am okay with. And it did not, they just barreled through all of that. And, um, because 
I was so uncomfortable because like I had been with both of them. So it's not like I was uncomfortable with the sex part. It was the dynamics that I was not ready for and seeing, you know, the people that I love together, excluding me, like it felt purposeful. I know it wasn't, but that's kind of how it felt. Um, it was too much for me to handle. And then they started dating and asking for my permission to date. And I was like, I'm not, that shouldn't even be a question. You shouldn't have to ask for my permission. It that's, it has nothing to do with me. And so it kind of caused a rift between all of us. And I ended up just having to be like, you know what? I, it's too, it hurts me too much to, be constantly asking for your, you know, for you constantly asking for my blessing. And because as much of a dick as it makes me sound like I didn't want to give it, I didn't want, you know, I wasn't in a good place with him where I felt that he was giving me what I needed. So why would I be okay with him giving someone else something that I'm not getting? And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to have to go. And, um, at that same time, my best, or my friend who was dating him as well, she messaged me and she's like, I think it's best if we don't talk anymore. And she kind of, and she was like the glue of the polycule. So all the parties were at her house. All of us were friends through her. So by her cutting me off, it kind of shut me out from everyone, which you know, it happens and I wish her the best and, you know, she's a great person, but you know, we just have different places to go. Yeah. Sorry you went through that. That's crazy and, yeah. and difficult. Yeah. Super difficult. Um, and it sounds like now you're kind of on this path of maybe like loosely dating, but not your, it's from what I'm gathering from what you're saying is that you're focused mm-hmm. on trying to make your nesting partner relationship like as strong as it can be right yeah yeah and then and see where it goes from there um since all of that has happened like I've gone through a lot of like just personal changes because all of the polycule and everything fell apart and was completely dissolved by like uh March of this year and in April I had weight loss surgery so I've been going through a tons of physical changes. And so that's been a huge thing, but I have dated a little bit. Uh, I dated this guy that was, he was amazing and I really wish things would have worked out, but his, um, him and his wife were brand new to polyamory and I could, because of what I had just been through, I could see a lot of the red flags right off the bat. Like, you know, when we would talk and he would come, complain about his wife, which is fine. You're allowed to complain about your partners, but you're not allowed to be mean. Like he would say some mean things about her. And I'm like, you know what? That is your wife. You need to be kind about her. And I think that that kind of caught him off guard just on his own. Cause I think he would, in his mind, he was thinking I was the other woman. And so that I would be pro like, yeah, get her kind of stick it to the wife kind of thing. When I was like, no, I want to be her friend. I want her to have the best life. I want her to be happy. I want you guys to be happy together. And I think that he wasn't expecting that. I think he was more expecting me to be like the bitter other woman. And, um, so I had to have a conversation with him and we ultimately decided that he's not ready for polyamory. And yeah, no, I mean, good. I would say good on you for like recognizing that. Right. Cause it's really easy to like, I feel like that's a very like monogamous mindset of like, it's me versus her. Like we're, right. we're two people competing over this third person versus like, no, we're all, we all want the best for each other. We all want this to work for each other. Like we're all on the same team. Right. Right. That's, yeah. That's really, uh, forward thinking. Yeah. Especially, yeah. yeah, Like coming out of that, that's really well done. So it's kind of funny. Cause like I often, when I'm talking to people, I often be like, you know what? Well, my, my monogamous brain is telling me this, but my polyamorous brain is telling me this. And it's really hard, especially because society is so 
monogamy focused that when you bring up anything else, it's, it's a lot of mental work to try and, you know, unravel for other people. Mm-hmm. And like, even cause like I'm, I'm out at work. And so I'll often be like, yeah, I went on a date and people be like, aren't you married? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, what explain. <laughs> and so then you're, then you, you're like, I have to tell them about my sucks life at work. And it, it, it feels weird. But at the same time, like I work, I work at Starbucks and Starbucks I feel is a very, like they're very inclusive. Uh, we have a lots of LGBTQ employees and, um, we have a lot of employees that refer to themselves as like they, them, and all of the other employees are great to honor that, I guess. And so it, I feel like that has been one of the best things for me is just having that group of people that are very inclusive where I don't feel like I have to hide where I can mention my girlfriend or I can mention my husband in the same sentence. And it's not that weird. Right. Are they pretty supportive? Like once, like once you get past the like, Oh, can you explain that? Like, are they pretty supportive? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been great. Yeah. That's That's awesome. awesome. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, and that leads to my next question. Who, like, are there other circles of your life that you are out to and how has that gone? Um, I'm out to my younger sister, uh, because her and I are, are really close. And my husband is out to his older sister. We haven't like officially come out to our parents. Um, I've hinted around a little bit. I just haven't like, I don't know how to go about it. That's my problem. Um, but this morning, my mom, she's like, so your sister told me that you're going to be on a podcast today. Will you send me the link? And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> you're like, thanks, thanks, sis. Way to, way to say, say something about this. She's like, is it a subject I'd be interested in? I'm like, probably not. <laughs> and my husband, he's trying to, he's like, just tell her that it's an alternate relationship or alternate lifestyle podcast. It's not something she'd be into. And I'm like, maybe. (laughs) Well, you have a little bit of time. You have a little bit of time to decide. But at the same time, you know, I am, I am trying to do life coaching, you know, because I, I'm, I'm finishing up my psychology degree because I found that there is a hole in counseling or therapy for people that are in non-monogamous relationships. There are not, at least, especially here in Utah, there's, it's really hard to find. Yeah. uh, It's really hard to find a therapist that isn't LDS here in Utah. Right. And for me, the LDS people are great people, but I have a really hard time connecting with somebody that's because they are very God focused and that I, because I have religious trauma, like, it's hard for me to trust them, I guess. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to just go and be that therapist that I need. So I'm almost done with my degree. And that's what I'm going to do is uh, alternative relationship therapy. And, you know, if I'm going to be doing that as a career, I'm going to have to come out to my parents anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of the <laughs> slow progression of yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and congratulations on that. Like that next stage is, is going to be super exciting and, and meaningful. Yeah. It's awesome. I hope yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you mind talking? You said you've gone through a lot of changes this year. It sounded like maybe as a catalyst from the, not, not like the, that the polycule imploding was sort of a mm-hmm. catalyst for some changes. Do you, mm-hmm. you talked about weight loss surgery? Were there others that you've kind of gone through this past year that like, you would like to talk about? Um, so I did have the weight loss surgery and so I've lost like a hundred pounds. Wow. And congratulations. congratulations. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, like even just putting myself out there in the dating world again has been hard because I still don't see this person in the mirror. I still see the other person and, um, you know, with rapid weight loss, I do have a lot of like excess skin, which is 
really hard for my self-esteem, especially if I want to go and be intimate with a new person, because I don't know how that person is going to react. Not that it's repulsive or anything, but because it's different and it, it still feels yucky to me. But, um, so that's been something I've been dealing with. Plus my, my husband's, uh, disability has just been getting worse. So he's not able to work outside of the home and he used to be the breadwinner for our family. And so that's been a big change. And we're now in the process of our landlord just told us last week that he wants to sell the house. So now we've got to go find a new house. Oh my gosh. And, uh, so yeah, just lots wow. of moving parts. Um, my oldest started junior high this year and my middle daughter, she, um, tested into like the gifted and talented program. So she has, she's being bused to another school this year, uh, which is farther away, but, um, she needs the, the more advanced stuff. Yeah. Cause she's, she's bored. At, she was bored at school. So just a lot of just little changes and I'm up for a promotion at work, hopefully, which means that I'll be running my own store, which, is also another stressor, but it'll be good. Yeah. yeah also, like, yeah, stepping stones. It sounds like you have a lot of stressful things happening, but also like moving yeah. your life in an exciting direction. Yeah. Except for maybe having to find a new house. That's stressful. Yeah, but maybe it'll be a better <laughs> <Yeah>. house. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, that's always when it when it rains, it pours, kind of thing, right? Like that's tough. Yeah, right. So. Thanks for thanks for making time to talk to us. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> um, right? Of course. <laughs> Um, you know, one, one thing you mentioned about a little while ago about going to, um, going to the munch that you didn't know was going to be a play party. And you also mentioned FetLife. Have you explored kink at all? And how, if you have, like, what is that kind of journey been for you? Um, I have. So in high school, I dated this guy that, um, introduced me to the kink community a little bit. Not a ton. It wasn't like, it was just in the bedroom kind of stuff. And then, uh, then just my husband and I exploring on our own a little bit. I haven't, I haven't, like I make, um, paddles and I sell paddles just for fun, just because, (laughs) um, but I'm not as big into the kink community as a lot of other people are, but yeah, so we've dabbled a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and one, one other thing you mentioned early on was you, you did a lot of growth and picking up some boundary stuff, red flags, and a few other things. You mentioned, you talked a little bit about the red flags. Like, uh-huh. do you mind talking a little bit about, like, maybe issues you had with boundaries? And it sounds like one of them was that threesome that you kind of got steamrolled in. Yeah. And, like, what has the the growth on the boundary side looked like? Because that's a that's a huge that's a huge obstacle for a lot yeah. of people. Boundaries are really hard, especially because I feel that a lot of people expect boundaries to be rules, and I feel like the disconnect is that people don't understand that boundaries are for yourself. They're what's in you know for your brain, where rules are for other people. And I've noticed that a lot of people opening up, um, they're like, all right, here are our boundaries. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't. And that's not fair to whoever you're bringing into your, you know, your world, I guess, because, um, that person was not part of the conversation. They weren't part of, I don't feel like you are allowed to put a rule on somebody that, um, wasn't part of making the rules because, um, like with the couple that I dated for a little while, um, they're like, okay, well you can have, you know, we can all have sex together, but you can't have sex alone with this person, or you can't have sex alone with that person, or you can't do, you know, or you can't, you have to use condoms with, everybody, including your husband. And it's like, you're not allowed to make those rules because I'm not part of that conversation. I, you know, um, so that's been one thing is, uh, recognizing 
what boundaries are, I guess, because for me, it's like, okay, I will only have sex with people who use condoms with me. Like I won't have sex with you unless you use a condom. Like you're free to not use a condom with somebody else. That's fine. But with me, we're going to use condoms. And if you don't want to use a condom with me, that's your own. That's fine. But that means we're not going to have sex or like, um, we're not going to like, uh, with my ex-boyfriend, he wouldn't ever allow me to come to his house, which I felt was really weird. It felt like he was ashamed and like he didn't want me in his space. So we always had to meet at my house. And so like finding those little things and at least talking through them so that at least I can understand why like, what are, what's the reasoning behind this? Like, why am I not allowed to know where you live? Like, yeah, no, thank you <laughs> for sharing that. I appreciate it. No. Yeah. It's great. Um, you, you mentioned that you dove into all of the resources probably uh-huh. a little while ago, right? Uh-huh. Do you have resources that you would recommend, uh, people to jump? I know there's a lot out there, but what, that were most helpful for you? Um, I really liked the ethical slut, which I know everybody always mentions. Um, I prefer the audiobook version just because I can't sit and just read it. But the audiobook's pretty good. Um, I've read more than two, um, which was also pretty good, even though I heard there was some controversy about the writers afterwards. So I, I yeah. don't really know about that. Um, and then there's a lot of good posts on FetLife, but you have to dig through some of the not so so good things on on there your podcast is great and multi-amory is great mm-hmm. um there's there's so many i don't th- there's a her name is lisa let me see if i can find it real fast yeah and while you're looking i'll just say we'll we'll post links to everything that you've you've just mentioned in regarding the controversy around uh, more than two more than two and the author franklin voe um, we'll post a couple of um, links. We usually when we post more than two as a resource, we include there's a there's a link to a medium article written by uh, the survivors of the sort of abuse uh, that happened mm-hmm. around that. And so and there's also a really good podcast on uh, life on the swing set that came out not that long ago as well. So um those are some resources to check out and they'll be in the show notes yeah. for, for anybody listening. So, yeah. Yeah. So like their book was good, yeah. but at the same time there, I feel like everything that you read, you kind of have to pick and choose what you decide to listen to. So, yeah. um, the other podcast is it's called making polyamory work with, oh, uh, Libby, Libby. Sinback. Yeah. 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 Libby, Libby is awesome. We love Libby. Friend of the show. and She's uh, actually been on the show, too. So. A few times. Yeah. 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 So highly, highly recommend her podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, is there, we've covered a lot of ground, and I know, I feel like we could go back and ask questions about your history <laughs> and more things, but is there anything that you wanted to get out there that we haven't talked about? I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are hesitant to try polyamory just like, I know it's not for everyone and I don't want to ever push anybody into it. But I also feel like, um, I read this quote, I don't remember who it's from, but it's about, it's all the, all the quote says is it's about sim. It's about, it's not about symmetry. It's about synergy, which I feel like that is exactly what polyamory is because there is no way that you can have more than one partner and keep everything symmetrical. Nothing is going to be the same. All the, I feel like what everybody needs to be chasing is the synergy and only inviting in the energy and the, uh, the things that bring you joy. And I feel like the biggest thing that I've learned, um, over the last year is to, um, accept and enjoy a relationship for what it is and not what you want it to be. I feel like that was the biggest drawback I had when I was dating um, earlier this year Um, because I really loved those people, but I was searching for what I wanted the relationship to be rather than focusing on what it is. And I feel like that has 
made it a lot easier for me now to enjoy the relationships I do have. Like since then, I, my best friend at work, I would love to date him, but I know he's not down, which is fine. Um, but he and I have such great chemistry that I can just love the relationship that we have for what it is, even though we're just great friends. And I feel like that is one thing that polyamory has taught me is to, you know, enjoy what you have and not expect it to be more than it is. And if it becomes that, then that's amazing. But if it's not, then at least, you know, don't discount it and say that it's nothing because it's not what you wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think that's huge. And and thank you for saying that. And finding value in the yeah. relationships for what they are. And yeah, because yeah. it, it kind of goes, everyone in general, I think you, it's, it's easy to want to push relationships in a certain direction and right. escalator. the escalator, right. Yeah. And, and stepping back and just enjoying the relationship for what it is. And it doesn't mean it can't change in the future and can't, right. you, know, you can't grow as people and in your relationship. That doesn't, it's not what it means, but it doesn't have right. to fit a certain stereotype and like just embracing right. your, your close friend at work like as your best friend and just like embracing that relationship for what it is, is, is huge. And then, cause maybe it helps to not be maybe disappointed um, in, in right. looking at the positive things. And I feel like it, it takes so much of the pressure off because yeah. I feel like that's what ultimately killed the other relationship was that we were so focused on, okay, we're dating. Now we need to make it so that, you know, we're working towards, you know, having a baby together or, you know, something big and, or moving in together. And it's like, when you accept your relationship for what it is and are happy with what it is and don't expect it to be like, okay, well, what's next? What's the next step? What's moving us forward? Um, I feel like that's what a lot of, at least I get hung up on is, um, the escalator, it, that thing is, is hard to get off of. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. Um, yeah. And just thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for everything you shared. I maybe had one final question, if you're okay. The okay. around, like we've had quite a handful of guests at this point who are, f- I don't know, former Mormon, ex-Mormon, recovering Mormon. Uh-huh. I don't know what the right terminology is. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like you are, interestingly, it sounds like your families were, but you were somehow able to sort of uh, separate yourself from that at a pretty young age. And like, I know it could be probably an entire podcast on its own about like the (laughs) impacts of religion on your relationships moving forward. But like, do you, I don't know, like, do you have any thoughts on sort of like how that religious upbringing like informed where you're at today? Um, I feel like it held me back from becoming who I was earlier, if that makes sense. Cause I, I did everything I could possibly think of to hide who I like. I would spend weeks and weeks going to church, hearing about how awful, you know, same sex relationships are knowing in my brain that that's kind of what I wanted sometimes and thinking that I was a terrible person for wanting those things. And so it took lots of therapy (laughs) to kind of not necessarily unlearn, but at least learn how to rethink, you know, because I had to change everything about the way that I was thinking because I, from day one, you know, I was in that religion. And, um, so having to find my own path that I think that was the hardest part is learning to like, even growing up people that weren't LDS were people that I wasn't even supposed to associate with because Mm -hmm. they, they're not LDS. They're not one of us. So, and most of the people that I associate with now are not LDS and they're a lot better people, not better, but you know, like they have, um, just as great 
aspirations and are just as charitable and just as, you know, uh, assets to society as the Mormon culture is. It's just that, um, the things that I feel are the most detrimental is like right now, my oldest daughter is in, um, her health class at school where they're learning they're on their sex education unit. And they had to send home the form that said, you know, these are all the things we're going to talk about. Are you okay with this? And I looked at that list and I wanted to laugh because it's abstinence and parenthood. That was like the only things. And I'm like, they're not teaching about condoms. They're not teaching about safe sex. They're not teaching about STIs. They're not talking about any of these other things. They're not talking about, you know, how to keep yourself safe. And so, um, and I feel like that is because of the Mormon culture here in Utah is guiding the way that our schools are, you know, teaching our children about their own sexual health. And so, you know, now I get to, would I would have anyways, but now I get to sit her down again and have a, a talk, <laughs> which we've already done before, but now we've got to dig a little deeper and, because I want her to be informed. I don't want her to learn the way, the way that I learned. Because when I was in school, I learned from my peers. You know, I learned about sex from my friend who had just had her first experience. Like, I, I feel like that caused more damage than good. Because then I wasn't getting accurate information. I wasn't learning how to... Um, there are just things that an adult needs to teach a child and not a child teach a child. And one of those things is about their sexual health and their sexual education. And if that makes my kid embarrassed for a few hours, oh, well, (laughs) I'd rather her be embarrassed than be a teen mom. Yeah. It's well worth the investment. Right. And I think that's so frustrating that like, yeah, you have to be, but I mean, it wasn't much better when we were in high school to be honest. So, and we, and we were in Utah, but it, it does open up the question then that we love to ask is, like, how do you keep yourself safe? Like, obviously, you've probably gotten past what you learned in high school from your friends. So like, <laughs> yeah. where, where are you today on that journey of, like, keeping yourself safe, whether it's sexually or, like, going out on dates? Like, you went to a munch and you, like, gave your husband the address. But, like, yeah, from <laughs> yeah, like meeting yeah. other people, going, to, going on dates, like, how do you keep yourself safe? Well, as a woman, I carry condoms. Even though I, at least lots of people are like, oh, it's a, for the man to carry condoms. Well, sure, but I carry a variety for myself, a variety yeah. of sizes, because there's no excuse. If I expect someone to wear a condom with me, I better at least provide one. Yeah. If they have their own, great. If they don't, I've got you covered. Right. Um, <laughs> 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 um, I also, you know, go and get screened regularly. Um, and I expect that from my partners as well to at least be informed about their own sexual health. Um, I always make sure to let my husband know when I'm going out with someone who I'm going to be with. And I don't like, here's a mugshot just in case he's a murderer. Or I don't do that, but it's like, okay, this is where we're going. And then I try and I, check in with him. Like if it's getting late, like, Hey, we're going to go to the bar as well. So I'll be home a little later than I expected. Um, nothing too crazy, but you know, we always meet in public the first, at least the first time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, no, great. Thank you. And I don't know. Sounds like a pretty solid strategy. Like, could you always do more? Sure. Like, I don't, you know, you don't need to carry a taser and mace. And yeah, like you said, get a, a mug shot and his social security. Yeah. Card. But like, you do take some, some precautions. Yeah. And I think it's everybody's got a different comfort level. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Totally. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Whitney. Any other questions, Emma? I don't think so. I mean, always, but. I, I anything feel like we, we covered so much ground. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that we missed? Um, just I'm starting life coaching. I yes. don't have very many clients yet, but I would love more. Yeah. How can people find you? What's the best way? So my website will be, f- it should be up this weekend. It's called okay. the self evolution.com. Okay. We'll put it in the show notes for sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then I also have a TikTok and a Facebook, but and an Instagram, but they're not 
very beautiful yet, but <laughs> working on them. It's a work in progress. Yeah. Well, it links, is a work in progress. Yeah, that's totally fine. Um, links to everything are in the show notes. People to find you. Thank you so much, Whitney, for taking the time out of your such busy yeah. schedule and spending it with us and sharing your story. Uh, it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, have a wonderful afternoon, and we'll be in touch. Right. Thank you. And we're back. A huge thank you to Whitney for reaching out, coming on the show, being vulnerable with us and sharing your story. And also for all the work you're doing with your coaching work as well. Yeah. Thank you, Whitney. We appreciate it. And we're excited to get your story and just you out there. Yes. Yeah. We're super excited for that. A quick reminder to go to our website, Normalizing Non-Monogamy. Nine Non-Monogamy. Normalizing Non-Monogamy.com. It's a mouthful. Yes, we know. Uh, But go to our website, click on the community events tab. You'll find information about our virtual events coming up this Friday and Saturday. Don't go check those out. Also, we have another virtual event on the 26th coming up this month. And then we also have in-person events coming up in February and March. So go check it out. We'd love to have you join us at any and all of the above. Also, we know it's a mouthful. It's also a lot to type. So you don't have to. You can just go in the podcast show notes and there's links there. You yes. Just, you just click on the links and away you go. There's also a little hint. You could go to nnmpodcast.com. Well, now we're just confused. <laughs> Lots of ways to find us, lots of ways to find out all the stuff we're doing and to reach out to us. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, While you're on our website, one of the many different ways we told you how to get there, Mm -hmm. the last super exciting thing you can do that that we would love for you to do, it helps support the show financially and it supports the greater non-monogamous community as a whole by being informed. Yes, go get tested for STIs. And the way Emma and I do this is we use a service called stdcheck.com. We've been using it for years. We absolutely love it. It's fast. It's easy. It's even more affordable. Last year, they dropped the price from like $200 down to $140 for a 10-panel test. But, Emma, you save $10 if you use the links on our website. I know. So it's only $130. Yes. That is a steal and a half. We would love it if you use links to support the show. And again, get informed about your STI status so you can talk to your partners intelligently about it and promote awesome sexual health in this community. So thank you in advance for doing all of those things. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. Coming up this coming Friday, uh, we have a Another Special. Focus Friday episode coming out. It's Enneagram Part 2. Uh, if, if you missed Enneagram Part 1 from Focus Friday's last Friday, go listen to that and then come back this Friday and listen to the second part. Yeah, you probably just pulled into work, finished listening to this episode, and now you just sit in your car for another two hours and listen to Enneagram <laughs> Part 2. Your boss will be fine with it. You mean Part 1 from last yeah, week? Yeah, Part 1. The two <laughs> Yeah, you're going to want to listen to part one. Although, if you're a patron member, you can already listen to part two because those are available for everybody. That's true. Good point. For everybody who's signed up. Yes. Yes. And next week, we have a interview, surprise, surprise, uh, on Wednesday with Francisca. Yes. Uh, Great conversation. Francisca is uh, on the team at Bloom. We interviewed uh, Luna a few weeks back from the the team over at Bloom, and we're super excited to be continuing to uh, work with them and promote the awesome work that they're doing. So if you want to find out more about what they do, there are links in the show notes uh, to everything about Bloom, Luna's episode, and just lots of great stuff. Yes. I think that's it. We that, covered a lot. We covered a lot, and we just keep talking and talking and talking. <laughs> people we'll are, stop talking. I know. These people got to get to work, Emma. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.